Welcome everyone to Planetary Health First, Mars Next. Today is a special day for all those out there. It is 420, not to mention anymore, but we got a pharmacist on the show. So anyway, um, it's so awesome to have you guys here today. And um, we are going to have a great time with Sean Nair. He is a pharmacist, licensed pharmacist. He's an owner of ACAR Pharmacy. I'm not going to get into too many details because uh, we're going to be talking later. Uh, but Sean, if you want to just give a brief, uh, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself. Thank you, Michael. I appreciate you choosing 420 for me, too. That's uh, <laughs> I don't know what you're trying to say. I really don't know what you're trying to say, where you're yeah. trying to go with that. But it is. It Coincidence. Is. We every every. Yeah. Every week we it have is. it at Thursday. So got to have a, you know, anyway. Right. It's good to be here and I appreciate it. Um so, uh, Mike, I have a pharmacy, and Mike and everybody, I should say, I have a pharmacy in Pittsburgh, Acor Pharmacy. We specialize in compliance, packaging, and medication adherence. So, essentially, if you think of the pill cases that grandma and grandpa use Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and you're running to their house every Sunday so you can fill their pill case for them, it's that. We send medications to people's houses in pre-packaged pill packs with a, a normal, with a, uh, you know, dosage, sub breakfast, lunch, dinner, bedtime dosage based on the patient's medication regimen. And we deliver it to them in four weekly packages at a time. And essentially that's our model. I, I mean, what's happening is, as you can imagine, the more people take their medications, the healthier they are, the less healthcare costs go down. And it's taken a long time to get there, but, Adherence is now at the forefront of, you know, the whole pharmacy thing. For a while, it was get your prescriptions filled, and no one really paid much attention to what happened after that. So now with medication adherence, there's a prompt or an encouragement to improve compliance. So it just it fits with the pathway that healthcare is on now. Well, this is great. Um, I was reading, and I know you probably know better, the statistic out there, like medication adherency is like a 50% like no-go. So whether it be so-and-so so so, -and -so didn't show up or the copay or, you know, I'm sure there's so many barriers. Can you just tell us a little bit about what you see as the biggest barriers to medication adherency? Well, I'll lead off with another statistic, right? Non-adherence to medications costs the healthcare system $400 billion a year. And that's a two or three-year-old statistic. So you, you, know, you could argue it's more than that now. So that's across the whole chain of that's people going to the hospital. They didn't take their medications. They had an incident. That's people calling off work. That's, uh, you know, you know I, I, that's a whole conglomerate of not taking your medications and all the downstream effects that that, that – being sick because of that has. But $400 billion is no joke. I mean, if you can carve into that to any extent, you're making progress and essentially, again, you know, to your point, saving the system money, you know, you're on a mission to transform, to transform healthcare. You're transforming healthcare if you focus on improving medication compliance, thereby reducing cost. So- And, and so you're saying that's a year. That's right, that's right. Now that's just not health insurance expenses. That's people calling off work, and that costs money. There's a there's a there's a you know a variety of figures, facts and figures lumped in there to come up with that number. But that's still a massive number. 
I mean, I don't care how you slice it or, you know, so much of it is not taking medications. So much of it is, you know, missing work days because you, because you're sick, uh, you know, missing work days because, you know, you miss a work day because your mother is sick. So now yeah. you have to take her to the hospital. She didn't take her meds. You're taking her to the hospital, but you know, now you're missing work because you're the caregiver and you're taking care of uh, your grandma or your mother or your grandma. Yeah. So, so when it's 4 billion, I imagine uh, 400 billion, that includes readmissions, all, you know, admitted to the emergency room because you didn't have a refill and you have some major medication that you haven't had. And, you know, I imagine some of these, what, what would happen if you didn't take your blood pressure medication for two days? It's all of that, right? Well, you can imagine, right? Any number of things. I mean, from, you know, I mean, you could have any sort of incident. You could have everything from a stroke to, you know, a fainting uh, episode that causes you to, you know, hit your head. Uh, you know, you, you, you get dizzy and you fall down the steps. Um, you know, that's true. You know, what about sleeping medicines, right? Non-adherence is sometimes taken. It's also taken too many. It's not adhering to your regimen. So you, you take a sleeping medication and you still can't sleep. So you take two. Then you pass out and you fall, you wake up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom and you, you know, you're dizzy because you're took too many pills and you fall and hit your head. There you go. There was another incident that adds into that number. Mm -hmm. So Sean, tell us a little bit about the education component, like how your process works. You have some, what, like anywhere from 1500 to 2000 members that you're providing for do you you have a team that goes out and, and trains uh teaches educates the caregivers on the medications tell us about the process i think our audience would really be interested on that sure. yeah man i'd be happy to i'll take you soup to nuts so we market primarily to physicians uh, a lot of people don't know this but physicians now have some uh, they're a stakeholder in improving medication adherence most of the health plans, including CMS, through their star rating system, now reward physicians when they improve adherence across their patient base. So they have metrics that they have to meet. If they do, they have the ability to earn some extra dollars. So, again, here's CMS focusing on saying, hey, guys, taking your medications is important. Let's incentivize physicians to help patients do this. So we call on physicians. We call on home care agencies and uh, home care uh, nursing companies, because when you think about them, they're witnessing my client firsthand in the home, right? They're in there. They're hired by the family, usually maybe the insurance company. They're visiting this patient. They know instantly that it's a clusterfuck in there. They, they can see it. I mean, they, mm -hmm. they live it. They walk mm -hmm. in. There's pills mm -hmm. all over the place. There's pills from six months ago that haven't been taken yet. There's empty bottles, open bottles, and everything in between. There's medicines there that they don't even take anymore. So home care is a good uh, marketing point, entry point for us. Um, the health plans, to some extent, you know, we kind of talked about this initially. There's so, some initiative. Now, health plans realize if we get people to take their medications, we lower costs. I mean, it's not really rocket science, right? You take your meds, you get out. Medicines are expensive as all get out nowadays, but mm -hmm. that does not compare to the treatment of a heart attack or treatment mm -hmm. of a stroke or, mm -hmm. uh, you know, an emergency room visit for a COPD patient. So regardless of the cost of medications, the, the ability to, you know, getting people to take them is a cost savings 
center in, in and of itself. So mm -hmm. that's what we do, right? So let me go. So we start off doctors, home care, health plans. Um, they send us a patient. My team then kicks into gear from there. We reach out to the patient. Hey, what medications are you on? Who is your doctor? Uh, you know, what pharmacy do you go to now? Tell us a little bit about yourself. And we pull all this information together. We'll call the physician. We call the stakeholders ourselves to verify what the patient says. We call the physician and say, hey, can you send us over a med list of all the patients that, uh, you know, Michael Mann is on and that of all the medications, I'm sorry, that Michael Mann is on. And then we cross-reference that with what the patient told us. And now we're building this profile for the patient. We know how old they are. We know where they live. We know what medications they're on. So from there, then my team, we do the first the, like, like physical step as a pharmacy is to do a med sync. A med sync is, you know, kind of, you can kind of guess what it is if I said the word med sync. It is taking the patient's medications and lining them up so they get all brand new medications on the same day. Mm -hmm. So that alleviates them running out of one medication and still having other medications, which is a barrier to compliance. Mm -hmm. So now that we have this med sync date, all the medications are getting ready to start on the same day. We fill all the prescriptions. We package them in our breakfast, lunch, dinner, bedtime packaging. We deliver them to the patient a day or two before their cycle is supposed to begin. My delivery team is skilled and educated. They sit with the patient for, you know, 10, 15 minutes longer if necessary. They tell them how long, you know, they tell them, here's how the packaging works. Here's what to expect from the pharmacy. Here's when you us, how you call us. You know, uh, you can expect your med, you can expect a phone call from us in two or three weeks to initiate the next cycle. So at that point, so the patient gets their medications are ready to go. We call them four days later to make sure they understand the first time, the first with the first delivery. We'll call them three or four days later to make sure that they're comfortable with the process. If they're not, we go back out, redo the introduction meeting. Assuming mm -hmm. that they're good with the process, we then, uh, you know, we'll call them uh, three weeks later and the phone call goes like this. Hey, Michael, how have you been? Sean from my Acor Pharmacy. I'm just checking in with you to see how you're doing. You, you feel good? Your medication's okay? Yes, yes, yes. Have you been to the doctor since we last saw you? Yes or no? Do you have any medication changes that we need to be made aware of before we deliver your next package? Um, no? Okay, great. Well, we have you scheduled for delivery for next Tuesday. Is that going to be okay with you? Are you going to be home? Do we need to move that day? No? Okay, great. We'll see you, on, we'll see you next Tuesday. And then that's, that's the gist of it. You know, then they get their package next Tuesday, wash, rinse, repeat the cycle. Cool. Well, I, I just want to interrupt one second. We have Greg um, Charlton who uh, posted, shared a comment that we have. I imagine what he's referring to your earlier comment uh, probably is now updated. I don't know uh, what the specific date, but five hundred twenty eight billion dollars is that cost i imagine he's for thanks uh, greg That's better. that improves my marketing tactics see how i can <laughs> leverage your clients to improve my marketing tactics and then I, I don't know what he was mentioning with home health i'm not sure but but anyway um i i what i, I can imagine some of the what is the average medication that uh 
your uh, members um, are on. And, and so um, what is that amount of medication? Like, um, like how many pills is the average medication that your members are on? 10, 10 prescriptions is my average customer. Now, that might be one or two insulins, that might be an inhaler. It's not all necessarily oral pills. It's 10 prescriptions. And that's, you know, as much as, you know, as much as I'm happy to fill prescriptions, one thing my pharmacy does is analyze. We would like nothing less than to decrease one or two or three prescriptions from people too. That's our obligation as pharmacists, right? We want to manage medications. I don't want to fill medications. Our goal at ACOR is to manage people's mm -hmm. medications, right? And if that means cutting one or two, then, then we're happy to cut one or two. We're the first ones to call a physician and say, why don't we whack these? I mean, mm -hmm. I don't think mm -hmm. we need these. And, uh, you know, I, I think there's so there's value in that. You know, we're building this model as a whole team effort, right? I mean, aging at home is the future of getting old. When mm -hmm. we work with physicians and home care agencies, I mean, technically, conceptually, I would like to create a nursing home environment in, in a person's home. Mm -hmm. And how do we do that, keeping it affordable and achieving the, out, the desired outcomes? Mm -hmm. And that's, that's the battle, right? It's hard, to, it's hard to do it all because while nursing homes are expensive and people don't want to go there, mm -hmm. you get economies of scale in a nursing home. Yeah. It's hard. You know, one nurse can see 10 people. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, if I have a nurse at your house, she can see you. That's it. Yeah. So, so we're, we're, that, that's a, the missing link is how do we figure that out? Is it is it tell us something? How do we use technology? You know, yeah. to figure that out. So so we have some more questions from uh, Greg. Um, and um, I'm not exactly sure. They're really short. Um, I imagine he wants to know more um, yeah, about. Yeah. Diabetes, uh, I guess it's, wait, Probably I think statin. it's statin. Probably so statin, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm not sure, yeah, I'm not sure where he's going with that, with, to your point, with the short answers. I mean, these are all medications that my people are on. You know, my bread and butter patient, let, let me tell you what my bread and butter patient is, because mm -hmm. think about this and, and it'll make sense. It is primarily a senior, doesn't have to be, but yeah. primarily a senior. Um, it can be a mental health patient. It can be a transplant patient. It can be an HIV patient. Anybody who takes a lot of medications, right? Mm -hmm. But in general, it's a senior. Mm -hmm. Usually they're low income. Mm -hmm. You can imagine the low income person. Sometimes they're just not as healthy. They don't have the wherewithal to eat right and take care of themselves like, like you know, like, like the general population might. So, so it's a senior it's low income, probably lives in like a senior high rise or senior building in, uh, you know, in the downtown of a community. That's my bread and butter patient, because guess what? That population, they're the 20 percent of the people that cost 80 percent of the healthcare dollars. And they're the ones that need educated and they need their handheld. Mm -hmm. I often use the term in my pharmacy that we're a concierge pharmacy. You know, we'll go to their houses and do COVID vaccines. We'll go to their houses and do shingles vaccines, flu vaccines. We'll take blood pressure. My delivery drivers are trained to take blood pressures if the doctor wants one or needs one, or if there's some instability in the uh, their blood pressure readings with the patient, right? We're building a model 
that you know we're trying to assist a health plan or a healthcare provider manage these patients at home. We so think about that. The pharmacy sees your doctor may see a patient once a year, mm-hmm. maybe twice a year if they're sickly, but that's if they even go to their doctor's appointment. Yeah. Number one. So, so, number so, two, so Sean, tell us how like the um, I guess the ACOs like there's some new ACOs. It just seems like where do you see yourself partnering? Like, how could you help some of these organizations with these new care models? It seems like they would want to be quickly, you know, readily uh, receptive to partnering with you. You would think, right? I mean, so, so here's, so ACO, RX, ACOR, when I created it, my fantasy was we're going to work with ACOs. This was 10 years ago. I just started developing the idea. This was when the ACOs were created. Well, what happened is I feel like I feel like the ACO is like a unicorn. Everybody thinks one exists, but nobody has really seen one do its work. Mm-hmm. Right? There are ACOs. Some of the new there are some of the newer ones don't even have enough data to really validate that, hey, the ACO model works. But mm-hmm. it just the ACO kept morphing and they never got to a point where they engaged a fully, a full service dispensing, consulting pharmacy. A lot of ACOs have a pharmacist on staff and he helps manage, you know, the, the, the medications within the medical department or maybe does some consulting with the patient, but they don't have, most of them have a dispensing arm. And I'm not sure why that is. I think it's because a lot of patients have so many there's so many barriers to getting your prescriptions at various places. Certain health plans restrict you. You have to go to this pharmacy. You have to go to that pharmacy. You have to use mail order. You have to get 90 days. You can't get 30 days. So for a lot of those barriers, you know, I think that's why ACOs tend to shy away from truly engaging in pharmacy, but they should. And I hope they do when I'm out there. That's why I, you know, originally, again, that's why I created the company. We kind of pivoted when we weren't getting any uptake to yeah. just treat patients at home. And that's worked out well for us, obviously. I, I just see that what you're doing, there's such a opportunity because you are the eyes and the ears, like the pharmacy to leverage the pharmacy. You're the boots on the ground. Like I have a 90 year old father and my, um, I was with him a few days. I, you know, my mom went out of town, uh, went on a trip and the main thing, not, not alone, just, just safety, you know, he's on a walker. He really needs help sometimes getting up, but the medications, there's no way we would feel comfortable without those medications, knowing that he's getting them. So it just seems to me in healthcare, one of the biggest things to, to do to make sure older adults, like you said, uh, aging in place at home it is this, this big challenge. And so, uh, um, I, gosh, we got Greg, he's, he's asked, he's putting something else. So he's sharing that we, he partners with Pearl ACO and it changed everything we do. So, um, I'm not sure. I, I'm not what sure he's back in the pharmacy. Is he in the pharmacy space? I wonder, or is he? Maybe yeah. yeah so, so Greg, I don't have eyes and ears at this point. If you would just share your background so we would better know, kind of how we could position these questions and answers. So we really appreciate your engagement. Um, if you were just to be able to just share a little more and we'll just wait. Uh, we'll, um, but anyway, uh, 
Uh, I, oh, I, 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 he said they love our pharmacy. So there you go. He is in the pharmacy space. Okay. Awesome. Well, and that's great, Greg. Cause I mean, think about it. that. I mean, it's, it's a dove, it dovetails perfect with pharmacy. So, you know, I expect ACOs in general, if they even survive, uh, if that model continues to, 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 to work, that, that they'll all be engaging pharmacy because it's just a, it's just like, it's traditionally been the stepchild of healthcare. And now, frankly, it's the pendulum is going all the way back to put us in the forefront. And the greatest thing that pharmacists and pharmacies offer patients is accessibility. Mm-hmm. Well, tell us a little bit about technology. How, how do you connect the dots with technology? I know you have some technology you, you utilize to help. Can you share a little bit about that? Yeah, of course. So we have a lot of technology partners. Uh, Pioneer is our the uh, pharmacy system that we use to run our pharmacy, to fill our prescriptions, to connect with our patients, to talk to the insurance companies, to request refills. They drive our pharmacy. They've been a tremendous partner of ours. Um, they're really embracing the, the clinical aspect of pharmacy. So now there's all kind of there's all kind of access points within a patient profile. In the old days, it was, here's Michael Mann, here's the drugs he's on, that was it. Now mm-hmm. it's, here's Michael Mann, here's the drugs he's on, here's all the clinical, uh, here's all the clinical uh, advice we've given him over time, here's the dates that we called his doctor, here's what was said, here's who we talked to. It's, it's almost become like a CRM for, for pharmacy patients. So they're a great partner. Our packaging is managed, uh, we have a what is called a VBM, essentially uh, robotics that does pill packing on the cell company that owns them. We've had the VBM since we started, and it's a workhorse. Um, it's manufactured by a company out of the Netherlands called Global Factories, but OmniCell is the, the uh, representative of that product in the United States. So we, you know, that that robot makes 60 to 70 percent of our packages every day so it's truly a workhorse for us um then you get into you know literally just as important as filling prescriptions is is the delivery software that we use route for me they that we have the ability to say we do 150 deliveries a day so i put all those 150 deliveries in the in the list i tell them how many delivery drivers are working that day and it divides the routes based on delivery drivers time and location so it kind of streamlines and then it gives them the route that they should go and it plugs right into ways you know the delivery you know the map you know the Mm -hmm. free app for for maps so you know another software partner so i mean it technology is tremendous the gap that we try to the gap that i'm trying to plug in mike and this is why you and i were talking just recently you know i said that you go down to vive because i went to yeah yeah so when on. can we open up a pharmacy at Acor in Virginia? Yeah, sign me up. Sign me up. <laughs> no, but you're you're the you're the you know. I mean, like you're the entrepreneur. Uh, well, here's the deal. Know. Look at this. If I take my hat off, the only reason I'm wearing a hat tonight, guys, is so we can distinguish between who's Michael and who's me. So I'm the one with the hat. If I take my hat off, you're totally cool. <laughs> I'll do the podcast. You run the pharmacy. How about All that? Right. No, no, no. I think we want uh, medication adherency, you know? <laughs> I'm a pro and that's my space. And it, it, it's yeah. very exciting for me because I feel like we're on the, you mentioned the whole aging at home, but the few, 
the future of getting old for us and our generation and then next generations is aging at home. I mean, when you think about it, I mean, we could build baby boomers are aging so fast that we could probably build a nursing home every day and Mm -hmm. we won't have enough space for the boomers Mm. as they age. So why not build a model? Number one, nobody wants to go to a nursing home, especially since about four percent, only four percent of the populations ends up going. But hey, I, I want to get back to Greg because we he sure. this is who he's with, and I you know I'm I'm not taking any sponsor dollars from uh, Greg. We didn't do anything, plan anything in advance. But he's with no, SC, but- he's with SC House Calls, and um, I I don't know what SC. I guess it's South Carolina. Yeah, he's from Columbia, South Carolina. And uh, so he's vice president of strategic growth. And so that's pretty cool. He's with the physician group um, and they're utilizing, uh, you know, all this. um, So it says we are a physician practice making home visits and use our pharmacy to deliver RX to home. Um, So that's really cool. So uh, it'd be neat to think that uh, there was a physician group that you could partner with, too. Yeah, no, I love the idea. I'd love to chat further with Greg. I mean, Greg, I'm sure that that allows you. I mean, there's so many points in the process, Mike, that when, you know, in our space that are billable engagements with patients, right? When a, when a patient gets out of the hospital, physicians need to see that patient within a certain time frame. It's called a transitions of care. Transitions of care is a famous of disaster mm-hmm. for patients they come when that so transitions of care is exactly what it says you could be going from a hospital to home a nursing home to home a hospital to a nursing home but th- there's just so many opportunities to cause more harm than good if you come out of the hospital you're probably on all new meds but as a patient you're sick you're tired you don't even know you're on new meds you may not you you probably half asked listen listening to the the discharge nurse sean we're gonna have to start bleeping you and have a, a five have a second of a, a five second delay with Do you the, have a with button the... i didn't know this was that kind of stuff <laughs> no i'm just kidding hey. anyway all right but listen, but the transitions of care what i'm telling you is um but what i'm telling you is that there is so many opportunities there i mean people come home from yeah. the hospital they take all their new meds and they take their old meds too because they didn't understand to stop them what do you get? You get a readmission. Yeah. I will tell you when I, I had a care management organization and when I was involved in that process, there's so many companies that are just in the transition of care. Senior Bridge was a company that was actually a Humana, then, uh, you know, Humana acquired it, Humana at home. And the sole purpose was to tighten those gaps you know, the medication re- reconciliation, when people, you know, those HEDIS measures, right when someone would go home, they would mm-hmm. be at risk, they would have care managers come out and do all those sort of things. And the biggest thing was the medication reconciliation and getting them to their primary care doctor within like seven days or something. I don't know if that's yeah, still it. it. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. There's, there's time frames on all that. Yeah. But that's a tremendous opportunity. And that's where we're looking to expand what we do maybe embracing technology. If I can work with a physician's office, my delivery team has to deliver those medications there anyways. Why can't they bring an iPad and do a televisit with Greg's group? Mm-hmm. You know what yeah. I mean? His doctors don't even have to do the house call. 
I'll facilitate the telemeeting because think about this patient's probably old. They may not have internet. They may not have an iPad. They may not, they may not have even paid their cell phone bill when they were in the hospital. But if I bring the iPad and the connectivity, Greg's team can do the visit while my team is there, you know, and then it just, you know, I have that again, it's the accessibility that pharmacies bring into the table. There's many things that my delivery drivers, uh, for example, a, a new Mike, you're probably aware of this, but like social determinants of health is the new buzzword in medicine and mm-hmm. health, right? Mm-hmm. Social determinants of health. If somebody's in a situation where they don't have enough money to eat, do you think they give a crap if they take their medications? They yeah. can care less about their yeah. medications. They're trying to yeah. eat. How do you solve for that, right? If somebody's 90 and has asthma, and their air conditioners broke at their building and their landlord or the, you know, the building super won't fix it for them. Yeah. And they're having asthmatic episodes and can barely breathe. They don't care about much else. Yeah. They're worried about taking their blood pressure medicines that they're going to, they're going to, you know, puff the heck out of their inhalers. Yeah. But, but, you know, they're going to, they're not going to go get, they're not going to go get anything new medications until they run out of their inhalers. Yeah. So, it, I mean, there's, if tackling social determinants of health is, is a huge opportunity you know because that's the most expensive part of healthcare. yeah and, and the side we're all trying to figure out how to use tech to solve those problems mm-hmm. you can use tech to solve those problems but you can't count on that elderly lady in that high-rise to use tech because yeah. she's not that person so yeah. you have to as much as we want to use tech we have to be willing to meet our patients where they are mm-hmm. and that sometimes that's low tech yeah and that's okay too in fact sometimes we may get too too tech too techy for our own good. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. Um, my mom's 84 and she can do an iPhone, but trying to do an app <laughs> is yeah. another thing. Like she can text, she can email, but don't have, don't have her use Uber to on the app, you know, oh, no, it's, chance. no chance. Yeah. You can't do it. Or they're going to rip off. And you know, the next thing you know, your the credit cards charged for $2,000 for something they didn't even know they did. Yeah. Well, um, I think what's good about what you're doing in the, in this conversation we have is really, I see like a new model of care or spoke, uh, you know, part of care, like the community health worker, I, I could see could be hand in, hand in hand with you. Bingo. Um, yeah. So I don't know if it would be a pharmacist tech or someone that you it just seems like anyone or health plan that was looking to to reduce costs deliver those certain um, metrics that you know improve those gaps of care you guys would be really in line um, to to, to be the first you know one of those uh, extenders almost you know the care extenders to really close those gaps of care so I, I look forward to seeing or hearing you know, in the future, if, uh, you, you know, there's an evolution to you, maybe there's a partnership with that primary care, those, those doctors making house calls. I don't know. Well, so you just mentioned a great, another buzzword in, in my industry, the community healthcare worker. It's kind of a new position. In fact, we're my, we just applied for a grant to get a couple of our delivery drivers trained as a uh, community healthcare worker, get them that certificate. So now when I go to a health plan and say, look, Mr. Big, you know, Mr. 800 pound gorilla, here's what I have for you. 
I'm going to deliver medications to your house with a community health worker. What do you want this person to do when they're there? Do you want them to take a blood pressure? Do you want them to do a social determinants of health screening? Do you want them to do a mental health screening? Like what, what is it that I can help accomplish, you know, when I have a community health worker there? Now, the downside is that model you have, they somehow have to pay me some sort of per patient per month management fee to help them do this. But I can assure you in a risk reward model, they're getting the better part of the deal, but I just can't do it for the sake of doing it, obviously. So the model has to be pharmacy at the hub, as you said, like the hub, and then you wrap around all these extra clinical oriented services to help, you know, to, to collect data from the patient to improve their health. Yeah. Remote patient monitoring is another vehicle, right? Uh, Greg's probably doing remote patient monitoring if he's seeing all these patients. That's the ability to put a blood pressure cuff in somebody's house and check the readings every day. Yeah. And, if they get, and if they get bad readings, a, a gun go, a trigger goes off, and we call them up and say, "Hey, what's up? Your blood pressure has been bad." Or we call the physician, say, "Man, Michael's blood pressure has been through the roof a couple of days. His dog must keep barking in the background doing his." Uh, <laughs> And his blood pressure seems to be going up. So we need to do something. Let's, you know, so there's so many opportunities yeah. utilizing technology, but not necessarily, but using it in the right place. Yeah. Like I said, not, not jamming technology down at an 80 year old guy's yeah. thing, trying to get him to manage a, an app. I, I think it's like low tech, right, right tech, right tech, low tech. Yeah. Yeah. I like that cool. motto. I like that saying. Yeah, I I um I hope that there's more uh, collaboration discussion on this, and 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 for you, not just as a business owner, but for healthcare. I feel like you're right at the point where, you know, the fact that you were like, you're you're connecting with your patients at least around every three weeks, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And then of course we're open in between then, right? I mean, we're open for them to reach out to us. That's us reaching them. Every yeah. one of our patients assume, you know, because they're, you know, high maintenance class of patients, they're hitting us back once a month with something else. We're getting ready. You know, we've been exploring, experimenting with some texting functions because today we don't, <clears throat> there's plenty of texting platforms. In fact, this is why I was out at five to kind of see what platforms are out there because it has to be HIPAA compliant, has to be easy to use. But, you know, we're considering some options to incorporate texting, which is the future of, I mean, even, you know, your your mom's probably texting, right? You said she can use her iPhone. She, yeah. My mom would be 80. My mom can text, right? So if we can get into texting for some of these people in a HIPAA compliant process, we can probably, again, maximize our, our connection with our patients. Yeah. Yeah, so so my mom definitely can do texting, but just not the once you get to an app, uh, good yeah. luck. And which is uh, why, like, I don't, I agree. Which is why all these people coming out with all these apps, you're just putting too much onus on the you and I can do it, but we're not the ones costing the system tons of money. Yeah, I think I think where it's at is what I call frictionless technology, where it's like um, I fr there's different terms, but it's really it's just there whether it be even the best and most effective remote patient monitoring is when really the user doesn't have to do anything. 
you know, and I think I was hearing some light, well, maybe not LIDAR, but different technologies that literally can get people's readings uh, by just them being passive. I think the moment even, um, you, you know, so so that's, that's I think we're going to see some cool stuff like that, uh, but it's probably a little too cost prohibitive at this point. Um, but, uh, uh, you, you know, um, kind of going on a tangent, but tell me what gets you excited about what you do, you know, and, and healthcare with, um, you know, where you see the future. Well, so the future for me, right, again, aging at home, the future is at home. Um, many hospitals, you know, the home visits coming back, Greg mentioned they're doing home visits. That's absolutely coming back. I think healthcare is not scalable. If you wanted to name for me, name for me one merger or mega merger that has been better for patients at, the, at ground zero. I can't name one. Mm -hmm. It may be better corporately, but it's never better for the employees. It's never better for the, for the patients. So it's healthcare is intimate. It's personal. People are sick. So the future of it is, is bringing it back around to my level, to Greg's mm -hmm. level, touching concierge, being there face-to-face -face, contact, not computer contact, contact, mm -hmm. phone contact, voice contact. Yes. Yes. You speckle in tech contact and yeah. text messaging, for example, but I've got a delivery driver face-to-face -face with my patients once a month, yeah. you know? So to your point, a community healthcare worker, a social worker, yeah. It's they got to get but the healthcare. The more intimate they make it, you know, even in Pittsburgh, they're starting to go back to these small localized hospitals as opposed to these big, massive behemoths that they thought was the answer, you know, 10, 15 years ago. They're all every healthcare, every uh, hospital provider in Pittsburgh is all starting to open little, little satellite locations because I think they realize it's intimate. If you want to make somebody who's sick better, you got to mm -hmm. really get in there. Yeah. You can't do that from afar. You can't do it fast. You know, yeah. you know the Greg mentioned a lot of these doctors practices are, you know, they're probably furious that, you know, they're, they're gauged on how many patients they see a day, not outcomes. And I know you have somebody coming up on value based reimbursements. That's the future of it because now you got to put your money where your mouth is. Yeah. And, and, and I think um, execution is everything. It's so hard to do to, to, from start to finish the execution. Um, one thing I'm also excited about when you, you know, started talking is the hospital at home. I'm hearing more talk about that. And I do think hospitals want to make sure that they're still in business in 20 years. And I think there could be some really cool partnership with visiting physicians or physicians that are go to the home, your home delivery, uh, pharmacy solutions, and then a little more of these technology solutions that can be monitored for at-risk patients. And I imagine there will be a, a significant cost savings. It's just, I think that the challenge is the revenue model, as we all know, hospitals are still in the business of getting people in their beds. So um, anyway, that to me, I think is exciting with, with healthcare. Uh, listen, yeah, I mean, it is, I agree with you, right? Everything, I mean, you can put, they have sensors at home that, you know, you can put in your parents' home that 
if they if there's a fall or a disruption in sort of the atmosphere, the sensor goes off. So then that can trigger somebody to call and say yeah. and answer the phone. Hey, it looks like you fell. No, I dropped something. Okay, great. Take care. You know, or the you know the yeah. fallen and the can't get up buttons. They've been around forever. Yeah. You know, every senior should have a fallen and I can't get up button. In their, yeah. You know, in their uh, in their house. Oh, absolutely. I mean, but it I, is technology. There is technology. There's no way we're getting through it without technology. Yeah. You know, when I say we got a low tech, right tech, you know, we, we agree that's yeah. kind of at the patient level behind the scenes and managing the give us the tools to manage a patient by far tech is where it's at. And it's going to be revolutionized every year and every year and every year. It's can, the speed of light. Can, Sean, can you do something for me? Tell me something that really got you excited when you went to the Vive conference. Is Was there any takeaway? Were you inspired? Were, tell me. So, so number one, I, I was a fish out of water, right? Because, you know, I think I have a nice little business and I do. But the average vendor at Vive is looking for some, you know, a health plan or a physician's practice, you know, where they have 200,000 lives mm -hmm, at mm -hmm. stake. So, so a little bit, I was kind of a fish out of water, but it just allowed me to get a sense of where it's going. And what I was impressed with is I'm currently trying to find my way into remote patient monitoring. And I shit you not, every other booth <laughs> at Vive was a remote patient monitoring yeah. booth. Yeah. You, you know, um, it's interesting uh, that you talk about remote patient monitoring. Uh, it, I think we are having some technical difficulties on Sean's side, um, but he was just sharing how at Vive, he was just really impressed with the patient monitoring, the remote patient monitoring, every other booth was dedicated to that. And I wanted to give a shout out to a buddy of mine, Zachary Fink. He is uh, gave a little heart earlier. He is a, um, a a good buddy of mine. He's an owner of uh, Vitrack, which is a remote patient monitoring company. He's in the uh, California area, uh, Los Angeles. Yeah. And so he has a very uh, pretty um, a, a very a successful remote patient monitoring uh, business model, and 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 uh, he's he was early at it, and he's been really good to understand the customer and really uh, make sure that he does it right. Well, I think what we're gonna do is we might have to call it early, uh, but Sean, are you still with us? I, I'm I here, guess, but I, I was losing you for right. a minute. You kind of cut out for about two minutes there. I thought okay, you went so on a why don't, I, yeah, I, yeah, I think I was here. I don't know. So anyway, but um, why don't you – we're going to call it a day. So if you want to leave with the audience, you want to share something, uh, you know, parting words, please. Um. I mean, my words are more to my excitement, aging at home. I think we're on this. How do we bring All right, everyone. Have a wonderful 
Thursday. So good to have you here, 420. Take care. Best of success the rest of this 